Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Chris? Doing good, doing good. I'm sure things are great there in Ohio. Just jumping into it today, this is a big topic when we start talking money with horses. I just laugh because it just is, it's always associated with them, isn't it? Listen, I try really hard not to add up all the money I spend on horses. And I think many of us are the same way, except, you know, there are times we probably do need to look at the value of the things we're purchasing. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, it is one of the most surprising parts of horse ownership. Back in the day when I when I taught the very basic horse class and I had my students own a horse for a semester and they had to add up all the costs, at the end of the semester they're like, I never thought I never thought it would be this expensive. And I'm like, think about your dogs and cats. They're almost as expensive. You just never think of it. Absolutely. And that doesn't even take into consideration the blood, sweat, tears, emotional anguish, the highs and lows of horses, but it's all worth it in the end. Oh, it is. Oh, it is by far, by far, by far. I mean, there's even studies, you know, as far as quality of life with horses is is a lot higher. So that's why we do it. We love them. And today specifically, we're talking feed. And would you say this is one of the more expensive portions of owning a horse? Yes, if you look at your typical surveys, and obviously it varies immensely depending on what you do with your horses and where you live and all of that. But looking at averages across all the horses across the country, in terms of line items, the cost to actually feed a horse is always one of the top ones. Yeah, I know. I think I think it was always housing was was always number one, and then feed or medical was was close behind it. And it's just because you know, even for us, our budgets. If we looked at it, besides car payments, cell phones, and all, internet, and all the other things we have to pay for, food's up there. So, you know, looking at feeding a horse and almost breaking this down cost per day, because I think that's something easier that people can digest, you know, pun intended, that when when you see the cost per day, it really helps you make decisions on your, your feed. It always helped me always help the owners I would work with. So I I guess it's worthwhile jumping into forage, looking at daily forage costs. And obviously this is going to be so varied across the region or the United States or Canada, you know, elsewhere. But I think a good starting point is to talk the difference between really quickly nutrient quality of grass haze, which tend to be cheaper versus legume haze like alfalfa, which tend to be more expensive. I guess if you could explain why they're they're such a difference in price between the two, usually. So thinking about hay, you know, you have your big picture, your grass versus legumes. You also have how you're buying hay, small squares versus large squares versus round bales, the part of the country you live in, all of those things. To your question, grass versus alfalfa, alfalfa is more dense in a lot of nutrients. Speaking averages, because we could absolutely find a hay test to prove this wrong on an individual basis, but on average, alfalfa tends to be higher in protein, higher in energy. It's higher in some of your minerals, like calcium, for example, and actually that 
that can cause problems uh, when we talk about some of our growing course diets, if you feed a lot of alfalfa. But there are, you know, more nutrient density in a lot of your legume type hays. In addition to that, a lot of times we're just talking about stuff by the bale. And alfalfa tends to be a tighter packed bale. So that means the bale itself is heavier. So you might have a 40 pound grass small square and a 60 pound alfalfa small square. So you and I might just say, well, I pay $7 a bale. And you say, well, I pay $9 a bale. But frankly, that means absolutely nothing because bales are rarely 50 pounds each for that small square. And that's, you know, if you ask any farmer, oh yeah, my bales are 50 pounds. Well, if you actually weigh them, they can be all over the place. So I do tend to encourage people to think about not buying hay by the bale, but price-wise per ton. So weigh some bales, find out what is the average weight of those bales so that you can actually start thinking about it beyond the price per bale because that 33-pound crappy grass that might be $4 a bale might end up being a lot more expensive than the really nice orchard alfalfa blend that's actually 50 pounds, high quality, and costs you $7 a bale. If you think about it, per pound plus the nutrient density. And it's not just those basic things like protein and energy and all of that. You know, it's the forage quality itself. Was it put up dry? Is it dusty? Will the horses eat it? You know, if you have 25% loss, so one in every four bales, you end up tossing on the muck heap because it was kind of musty, dusty. The horses don't like it. That increases your daily cost significantly, but you have to account for that and not just say, oh, well, it's cheaper. Hey, it's only four or $5 a bale, whatever. <laughs> There's so much that goes into hay, selecting a quality hay. And then I'm sitting here thinking of all, you know, trying to balance the horse's diet it's very complex, right? It is very complex when it comes to pricing out hay per day. And I think one of the things that I always found interesting too, is like, you know, dealing with round bales versus small square bales, you know, down in Florida, that's what we always had. What are some concerns there as far as price per day? You know, if, if I'm throwing out hay or I just go drop a round bale in a pasture. Sure. People have some strong opinions about round bales sometimes. And part of the reason is that you can have things go poorly rather quickly on a round bale because they're so big. If you have a low quality one, well, now you've spent, you know, even though the price per pound is cheaper, you've spent more on it. Um, you know, you have to worry more about how they weather. So are they stored outside? Are they maintaining their quality, even if they were put up well? And the big thing is waste. So there's research that shows that, you know, on a round bale, they'll sometimes waste up to 50% of the round bale. We've definitely all seen it scattered across the ground, the horses pooping in it or taking a nap in it instead of eating it. So even though it might seem less expensive, if you're not implementing strategies to reduce that waste, or for example, having the appropriate amount of horses, if you put a round bale out with one horse, he just won't be able to eat it fast enough to keep up with the weathering that happens to the bale. So round bales can be very economical. They require less labor. They aren't always the right fit for every operation, though, and it can be challenging to find good quality, horse quality round bales. So, you know, it, there's some give and take, and I think it's very individual to each place. You know, if you're having, hey, custom cut, it might be easier to find someone to come round bale than to make small squares for you. Those are all considerations that go through this decision. You know, 
there are things like the newer generation of feeders and the small whole hay nets you can put on round bales that can help with your waste type issues. And certainly I think it'd be worthwhile if you're going through a fair number of round bales and you're using a quantity of hay, let's go ahead and hay test it. That's the type of operation where a hay test can be so helpful to understand what we're feeding. Yeah, it is. There's, there's a lot, a lot that goes into that too. I mean, can we tell you know, times I've seen horses sleeping in the hay, <laughs> just laid out, especially the young ones, you know? Yeah. And we're just talking about the cost of the hay itself. So much of that translates into what type of concentrate you need to add to fill in the gaps of the diet and how spending less on your hay sometimes can make the concentrate portion of your diet more expensive because you have more gaps to fill. So going back to your original, um, you know, premise, which is thinking about cost per day, it's, you know, it takes a little bit of work, but having an average feeding rate, knowing per pound what your hay costs, you can start to really see the impact of those decisions. And let's not forget a barn full of kind of dusty hay, two horses end up with heaves. How much money did you spend in vet bills? That's true. It's true. That's why it always starts with the, with nutrition, right? It always comes back to, to what you're feeding them. And it is such a critical aspect of horse care. That's why, you know, there, there's so much research in it, you know, in, in the horse industry. There, that's just where a lot of the research dollars are going is, is looking into this, you know, and then the medical stuff too. But now switching gears from hay to concentrate, because this is where you see a lot of discussion, you know, which bags of feed, the costs of feed, things like that. So I, I guess the first thing is if you can kind of talk about a, a standard or lower quality feed versus a premium, higher quality feed, what are the differences we're, we're, we're seeing between the formu- those two formulations? Sure. And I think this is a super timely topic. Anyone who buys grain, concentrate grain, knows prices have gone up. And that's because base ingredient costs have gone up quite a bit for multiple different reasons. And you start thinking, wow, is is that really worth the additional cost? So, you know, your less expensive feeds, they tend to be less fortified. So things like your vitamins and minerals, they're not usually going to use those more high-end technologies, if you will. So the advanced gut health packages, things like pre and probiotics, organic trace minerals, higher levels of antioxidants, a lot of those aren't included in those lower quality feeds. And then you're going to have a difference in base composition usually. So generally speaking, higher sugar and starch ingredients are less expensive. So your less expensive feeds tend to be higher in sugar and starch, which may be okay for some horses. As we've talked about in a ton of podcasts, it's not necessarily appropriate for all horses, whether we're talking about a metabolic condition, one that maybe gets a little fizzy with that extra sugar and starch in their diet and is a little harder to ride, or even thinking about gut health. I mean, again, back to the example, how many horses do you need to treat for ulcers when all of a sudden your savings in feed is gone. So those would be the main things that are different in your lower cost feeds. They're going to rely more on sugar and starch, less on fat for calories. So meal sizes tend to be bigger. So even though your cost per bag is less, we often end up feeding more of it. 
And then, you know, just manufacturing questions you need to ask, is it fixed formula? Does it come from a facility that is clean of any ingredients that might be harmful to my horse? You know, that's not always the case with some of your less expensive, more commodity type horse feeds. Uh, yeah, that was a good, that was a good explanation. I mean, he- even simply reading the feed tags on some of these lower quality feeds, I mean, you see it and it says, you know, if exercising your horse suggests adding vitamin minerals, you know, to your feed, <laughs> where you would, yeah. you would think the concentrate should meet that, it doesn't. It yeah, doesn't. absolutely. So, and and looking at just the basic feeding rate, so your maintenance feeding rate, so for your horse who isn't working very hard, that tends to be a bit higher. So with Tribute, for example, because they're higher fat and they're more fortified, when we're talking about the 1,000-pound horse, our minimum feeding recommendation is four pounds per day. A lot of your more economy-type feeds, their minimum feeding recommendation sometimes starts at five, six pounds per day. So again, just less fortification overall. So there's generally more packed into those four pounds of tribute or, you know, just higher end grain in general compared to six pounds of your economy feed. Right. Well, if we do a little bit of math and and I know it's a little tricky, you know, in, in in, in a podcast, but we can do it. We can do it. So what are we looking at? Let's say the the price of a more economical feed per 50 pound bag. What are we looking at price per day? Okay. So let's call it $14 a bag. I mean, there's definitely ones less expensive, but let's, let's go conservative here and call it $14 a bag. So you take your $14, divide it by the 50 pounds, double check that it's 50 pounds because every once in a while there'll be a 40 pound bag of feed out there. So divide it by 50 pounds and you get it's 28 cents per pound. So then we multiply that by the minimum feeding recommendation for our horse. Let's call it five pounds per day. So that 28 cents multiplied by five pounds, it costs you $1.40 per day to feed the economy type feed to a horse at maintenance. Let's call our higher quality feed $20 a bag. So that's going to end up being, let's see, it'll be 40 cents a pound. Now, like I said, it's higher fat. It's a little more fortified. We're going to start with a minimum feeding recommendation of four pounds. So it's going to be $1.60 per day. So a little bit more expensive, but not much. But you have to remember you're getting more out of those four pounds of your more expensive feed. Now, let's say that maintenance, when I think of maintenance, that's just a horse out on pasture or one that that's not really being ridden that often or very much. What if we are in training, you know, and, and you know, light to moderate, how would that change? Yeah, this is interesting. This is where things really start to divide between your more economy type feeds and your higher fat feeds. So, you know, an average feeding rate on some of these economy feeds just for your horse and light to moderate exercise, it can be eight or 10 pounds per day. Like it's a significant jump in order to provide those additional calories and some of those extra nutrients. So if we said it was 10 pounds per day, uh, you multiply it by your 28 cents, you're at $2 and 80 cents per day and just concentrate cost on your economy type feed. Now, Let's call our $20 bag. So the economy feeds only 3.5% fat. Let's say our $20 bag per feed, it's probably more like 8 to 10% fat. So our feeding rate's not going to have to increase as much. And remember, it's already more fortified. So in that case, you know, 
typically when I have a horse in light to moderate work, I'm starting somewhere between six and seven pounds per day. Um, so if we kind of work that math with our 40 cents a pound, we'd be between $2 and 40 cents and $2 and 80 cents. So you're kind of right on par now with your economy type feed. If you're looking at, you know, six or seven, even if you bump up to eight pounds, you're really not that much more expensive per day than the economy feed. And we haven't talked about adding anything to that feed yet, because what I often see happening is we might make a switch to a less fortified feed. It's higher in sugar and starch. It's lower in fat. And maybe some horses do okay on it, but you start to notice little problems. And that's when the supplementing starts. And it always starts out really innocently. Like, oh, well, if I just add this one thing, it doesn't cost that much more. It's only one supplement. And they're like, well, you know, now hoof quality doesn't look as great. And oh gosh, that horse over there, his top line's starting to come down or that one's a little bit thin. And you don't necessarily think about the fact that all that used to be included in the higher end grain. So now it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's not on your main grain bill. So maybe you're not calculating it as tightly in your brain. And all of a sudden you are adding significant costs with a little bit of this, a little bit of that to keep the horses, you know, looking the way they should. I'm having flashbacks working at the racetrack in the feeding room. There was literally like 40 different bags of feed that we would been mixing. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yeah. You really, if you, if you're, if your feed room looks like a mad scientist laboratory, <laughs> yes. we could probably simplify things for you. Let's just put it that way. It doesn't have to be like that. And I'm not anti-supplement. Okay. We sell some supplements. I use some supplements, but it really needs to be for very functional reasons. And if you find every horse needs a host of supplements, that's a good indicator that there's something just not quite right with the base of our diet, whether that be our forage or we haven't chosen the right concentrate. But if you find yourself supplementing a lot of basic nutrition, that's, you know, we can make some improvements there to simplify things and usually make them less expensive. And I'm not trying to give away my age, but this was back in the day, you know, and I was a young undergrad working at the Del Mar racetrack. Okay. So this, this is before we, we had really good formulations like you're okay. putting together. Listen, Chris, I've been on the backside recently that has not <laughs> gone away. And Probably. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's not just on the racetrack, right? It's in all barns. And the reason we do it is because we're trying to do the best for our horses, and I think it makes us feel good a lot of times to supplement them because we feel like if we just give them this little bit extra, we'll be doing the best for them. Sometimes supplements are warranted. It's very rare, though, that it's really needed for your basic nutrition. And unfortunately, sometimes we can make the overall diet worse supplementing. So you do need to be mindful that all the things you're putting together actually work well together. Well, I think you know, to, to, to kind of get near the end of this podcast, what are some of those costs associated with those supplements? Because you mentioned fat. So a, a difference in fat and, and we know adding fat to the diet is, is very beneficial to the horse, but what are some of the other things? Like I mentioned reading feed tags on some of these lower quality feeds. I mean, it states right there. If exercising, you know, suggests adding vitamins and minerals. Yeah, so a vitamin mineral, 
low end 50 cents to a dollar per day. If you look at it per serving, there are ones three, four, five bucks a day. I mean, it can really add up. And the problem is a lot of times there are a little bit of a lot of things and not a whole lot of anything. It's challenging to get the kind of levels you need packed into a supplement. So you get a tiny bit of a lot of things and it may not be biologically functional. And then we've just put fancy powder on top. So, you know, a vitamin and mineral, I mean, let's call it a buck a day, just being on the conservative end. If we need to add additional calories, we're either going to feed more and more of that higher sugar starch economy feed that can run us into some gut issues. So you might end up having to add more gut supplements or maybe you say, well, I don't want to do that. My meal size is kind of maxed out. I'm already feeding 10 pounds of that split between two meals. So I'll add a fat supplement, which is a good logical process. That'll cost you at least a buck a day usually. Um, even just looking at kind of your less expensive oils and it can certainly go up from there. So now we've added $2 per day by adding a vitamin mineral. Um, and we've added that additional fat supplement. Um, and then because we're feeding that higher sugar starch, maybe we say, well, I think my horse should be on probiotics to support his gut. Well, oh God, those, I mean, I'd say you're spending at least $1.50 per day. Um, so now we've added $3.50 to what was supposed to be more economical. And then six months from now, as his feet grow out, I say his hoof quality doesn't look great. Maybe I end up adding a separate hoof supplement. I mean, you can see how this snowballs so dramatically. And because you're so focused on cost per bag, you're not recognizing how your cost per day has, let's see. So we have gone from uh, $2.80. Oh boy, hold on y'all. We're gonna have to do math. So $2.80 plus we said a dollar for fat. We went conservative and only did a dollar for our VTM. Um, what do we say? A dollar fifty for our probiotic. You're at six dollars and thirty cents per day. And don't forget, most of these supplements are not being marketed as your cost per day. They're coming in buckets or bags that are twenty, thirty, forty dollars, and you think, well, I don't buy them that often. It doesn't seem that expensive. But when you actually look at your servings per day. Now we're at $6.30. I might as well have bought that $20 bag of feed um, where I'm only at, you know, $2.80 right, per right. day. Yeah. No, it, 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 when you start doing the math and and we typically don't as horse owners, you know, we it's sticker shock, right? Or whatever it is. When you start breaking it down, you're like, oh my goodness, I've been blowing money on this that I don't need that I can just pick up this quality bag of feed. And I get yeah, all those benefits. Yeah. Which may or may not, I, I would argue probably is not the best thing for your horse. And frankly, I would rather go spend that money on other horse related things. Yes. I mean, <laughs> another, <laughs> like I'm not going to spend it on something horse. else. Another horse. Another right? horse. <laughs> another <laughs> horse. Um, I'm totally always. eyeballing a new show jacket to go with the yeah. new horse because she's a different color. And obviously like I need different jackets for my different colors of horses. Like these are logical <laughs> things I can spend my money on. Yes, yes. Um, but no, especially when you're multiplying this across multiple horses. I mean, the, the economics of, trying to feed something less expensive, hopefully not creating any health issues and then supplementing our way out of it. They just generally don't work out. Right. Right. Well, it is, it is so complex dealing with all this. So as always, if you have 
any questions, any concerns, you need help, contact us. There's the link on the show notes. You open it up, click the link. You can contact the tribute team. They will help you come up with a proper feeding plan, right? Yeah. So they're personalized individual plans. It's not just making a basic recommendation, which is, oh, my horse is XYZ. Yep. Feed called and easy. It's really going over your entire program, looking for ways that we can come up with the best possible program to meet your specific horse's needs. And maybe that'll involve a supplement or two. A lot of times it won't. Um, but we're certainly here to walk through that entire process, not just make a tribute recommendation. Right, right. Yeah. So so do not hesitate. Do not hesitate to contact us. But it, 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 we could do this for all day. It, it so- I know the math of it. And I guess the final thing I do want to leave you with is that like all of you, I have to go buy concentrate for my horses. And I recognize that prices have gone up. And it's a bit of a challenge when you think about the fact that I'm very much committed to a fixed formula being the best possible thing. So we're not going to make changes to tribute unless we're making them for improvements. And we're certainly not going to do it based on ingredient market fluctuations because we've identified a formula that we believe is best for the horse. Gosh, that gets hard when the ingredient markets go crazy the way they are. But that's just something that we, it's a fundamental brand pillar for us. And we simply, you know, just kind of have to ride that out when those ingredient markets fluctuate like that. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting time. In, in our lifetime, I guess right now, uh, the end of this pandemic. So yeah, yeah I mean, I need to build a run and shed and lumber's crazy. Like, <laughs> yes, what? So yeah, unfortunately, it's not just this part of life. Oh, like the car market's insane right now. It, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're gonna write and it I mean, I guess the other way to think about it is, you know, that cost is less than a Starbucks. I mean, there's lots of ways we can think about cost per day and really put it into perspective. So, you know, certainly if you're looking for ways to make your program less expensive, we're happy to help that, you know, work through that while also keeping the nutrition of your horse as the highest possible priority. Well, I think that will do it for today, Nicole. I mean, we'll keep this discussion going. As always, thank you for sharing these episodes on social media, especially this one. If, if you found this one particularly interesting, please share it You know, on social media. Get some of your friends to listen and say, hey, see, you know, it's only two bucks per day, you know, or your, your, your significant others <laughs> to convince them. <laughs> yeah, we can afford absolutely. that other horse. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you, Chris.